The sermon series and the video teachings kind of go hand in hand. They're intermarried and also those 30-day devotionals if you're doing that. So if you're hearing something from the pulpit that shows up in a video or shows up later in a devotional, it's designed that way, okay? So if I say something today and then it pops up in a video, um, I'm still a reasonably intelligent guy. I just happen to use a couple of the different things from the sermon outlines that were provided. Uh, and that's not to diminish the job that Steve Archibald did last week, bringing the not a fan, or uh, what Pastor Paul has done for the, for the, last, the last number of weeks. Uh, speaking of Pastor Paul, I had the opportunity... Uh, to talk to him this week from Hawaii, and he's having a great time there. Um, oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> Looking really good, right? He's well-rested, fit. He's rocking that Movember look with the mustache. Hawaii does amazing things to people. Um, awesome. Um, we'll see him next week, and so it falls on me to bring you this message this morning. And uh, not just because I'm preaching it, but I believe this might be the most valuable message you hear in this whole series. And it's kind of been built up so far. Did you get sermon notes from anybody else? And were you aware like what I was talking about? Or okay, you watched the video. I didn't watch the video, but you're like you're like bang on with kind of where I'm going today, um, and that's great. Uh, actually, the verse that you started off with from Isaiah 40 it said about youths uh, will grow weary. I wish that would happen sometimes on Friday night. Like last Friday night, there was like the smallest group of kids, but it was like the most active. It was like nonstop, one-on-one hockey, and it was crazy. So I just pray for weariness sometime for those kids. But um, So the last few weeks, if you've been here on Sunday, if you've been on, in someone's house, uh, these messages have focused around Jesus' teaching to his disciples leading up to his death. And he's teaching in a way that no one had taught before. And those who heard him, it says in Scripture, were amazed. And those closest to him were starting to believe that Jesus was actually the promised Messiah who'd been sent. And at the same time that he acknowledged this, that he was in fact the Messiah, he told them that he would suffer this horrible death and it, he'd rise again from the dead three days later. And Jesus is imploring people of that day to understand the cost of following Him to the place that He must go. They should pick up their crosses, be fully mindful that death awaits them down this road. And to me, it makes sense that at that time, people were falling away from that message. After all, who wants to go anywhere and die? Even all the disciples were scattered as Jesus went to the cross. The message in this series has been die to self, pick up your cross, look at your own life and figure out if you're a fan or a follower. Make Jesus number one in everything. And I've talked to a few people and some of the feedback that I've heard from some has been, I don't think I'm doing enough. I should be doing more. Jesus isn't first in everything. Am I really a follower at all? If any of those comments have been spinning in your head for the last number of weeks, or have been tossed around someone's living room on a Tuesday night during your care group, then today is the day for you. If you have felt challenged or made uncomfortable by any of these teachings, if you've ever said to yourself, what more can I do for you, Jesus? I have a message for you today that I pray will bring you peace. Maybe you thought following Jesus was just about trying harder or following a set of rules. We'll talk about a few reasons this morning why following Jesus needs to be about more than rules. 
being a Christian is more than rules. In fact, it's not about rules at all. Pastor Paul, by the way, will be back next week to continue this series, so be sure to tell all your friends who are skipping church while he's gone, it happens, right? That they better be back next week or else. That's a great segue into our sermon topic, and it was mentioned by Gordon. I didn't give Gordon any heads up about uh, the verse from Hebrews 10. But this is one of the great Christian rules of all time, right? If you're a Christian, where do you go on Sunday? You go to... Right, and if you don't go to church, what does it say about you, right? If you've ever been in the situation that I have where uh, something comes up, life gets in the way, right? Whether the kids are sick or uh, maybe you're away in the city visiting somebody and you run into somebody from church maybe on Monday or Tuesday and it immediately comes to your mind to come up with that reason. It's like, yeah, I missed church yesterday because, you know, because what's it going to say about you if you just said to somebody, yeah, you know what? I didn't feel like coming to church yesterday. Just wasn't feeling it. You know, you could just imagine the prayer chain would get revved up and they'd start everyone would start praying for you, right? That oh my gosh, they didn't come to church because they didn't feel like it. It's even worse, right? If you've been hurt by a church before, let's say you haven't been to church in a long time because you've suffered some deep wound that's been going on for years and you have been breaking that pseudo commandment in Hebrews ten that says, Do not forsake the fellowship of the saints. So what does that say about them? Or what about when someone comes to church, maybe for the first time, and you know that that person has something going on in their life that is just, well, it's just ungodly, right? Maybe they're a boss who treats their employees like garbage on a daily basis. Or maybe they like to go to McKeck's every day and they never eat. And they always sit at the bar. Maybe they're a family that's just gone a little bit too relaxed with the whole no dress code thing and someone needs to take them aside and tell them that mother's skirt is a little too short and dad needs to hit a few more spots with the razor. There's a difference of having a beard and just not shaving, right? Everybody knows that, right? You know, these are some of the rules that sometimes get thrown around. After all, you know, we need to maintain this high standard, right? This is church. This illustrates the first reason why our following Christ needs to be about more than rules because, you see, rules can be cumbersome, especially when they get in our way of relationships with with others. Excuse me. Scripture says we're to bear with each other's weaknesses. We're told not to pass judgment on those whose faith is weak. And you see, by making up a list of rules around how good Christians ought to be, we can end up alienating not only our own brothers and sisters, but alienating anyone who comes into our fellowship. It might be believers who smoke, drink alcohol, those who have been divorced, can move on to people who smoke pot, those who are not married but living together. Whatever it is, we love to, I think, as a group of people, look at someone else and see what rules we think they're breaking. And justify why we think that means they can't follow Jesus, or even worse, why that means they aren't following Jesus. You see, we learned a few weeks ago, Pastor Paul preached, he said, Jesus welcomes all, and he calls all. So if we're truly following Jesus, we welcome all. We don't view some as worthy of the gospel message and others as unworthy. We keep our judgments and our accusations to ourselves. Jesus said, who are you to pass judgment on another servant? 
Luke 18, 9-14, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He said, God, I thank you I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. And he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah, for sure, the rules can be cumbersome to fellowship with others. That's for sure. But an even bigger problem on focusing on the rules is that the rules don't inspire grace. You see, our walk as followers of Jesus is all about grace. The rules were established long ago. The big ones written down on stone tablets and carried around for years in the wilderness, taken to the promised land, to the temple. Along the way, other rules were added and added, and over time, more rules and more rules. And the rules weren't leading people any closer to God. They were actually creating a greater distance between man and God. Scripture says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. So what does that mean? We're told the story in the Gospel of John about a woman who was caught in adultery. And the teachers of the law, the spiritual elite, they try to use this as an opportunity to trap Jesus They say that the law says the woman should be stoned. And we read in Scripture how this story says Jesus picked up a stone and cranks her one as hard as He can. Right? Not true. Not true. That's not in Scripture. But that's what God's law had said, right? That's what they, that's what the people of the, the, the spiritual elite and the, and, and the Pharisees said that the law said they should do. Those of you who heard the story before know, know that Jesus did not, in fact, do the cranking with the stone, but instead he turned the tables back on the religious guys. And he told them, you who are without sin be the first to throw the stone. A role that only one man standing there was able to claim, that being Jesus. Instead of the letter of the law condemning, we get this picture of grace. See, we need to fully understand what Jesus came and did on the cross for us. For you and for me and for everyone. This one-time death, it paid the price for sin. And you see, He did it. We had no part in that transaction. This transaction satisfied the wrath of God. He fulfilled the law and its requirements on the people of Israel. The only people who are living under the law. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become His righteousness. And the only way we get to follow Him is by believing that. This is nothing we did. There's nothing we did to get this gift. It's a free gift from God. See, we need to begin to understand that what God did goes against how we are wired. We are wired for this idea that what I get depends on what I do. Or if I do a lot of good stuff, I'll get a lot of good stuff. Or what I do defines who I am. 
You see, when it's all about what Jesus did that defines who we are, you can sing a thousand choruses of amazing grace and never truly get what it was that God did for you. And that would probably make you a fan. But a follower is born the moment you see and accept this free gift from God for what it is. Undeserved, unmerited, unwarranted, 100% free from guilt, from shame, from embarrassment. And all you need to do is have faith that God did what He said He would do through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul speaks through this throughout his letters to the churches that he'd planted and visited. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, this is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance. And Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, you've been saved by grace through Jesus Christ. You see, the law led to death and separation, and Jesus leads to life and fellowship. We always need to view our following Christ through the lens of grace, because it takes the burden off us. It sets us free from the religious demands to perfection that no one could live up to. It allows us to truly rest in who we are in Christ, because what He has done. And all we have to do is have faith in that. That's not just good news. That's great news. So as followers, we don't hold up keeping rules as a standard for how well someone is following. Because grace came in and changed the whole way that the game is scored. It isn't based on our merits at all. Not at the time of salvation, and certainly not during the time that we are moving on in our walks with Jesus. Which leads us to the third reality when it comes to the rules. The rules don't keep us around. I want to say this very carefully and very clearly. When our kids grow up and they define Christianity as keeping a moral code instead of defining Christianity as being a follower of Jesus Christ, they will walk away from both. If we think, well, they need to understand these rules and these moral obligations of being a Christian, you see, if they define their faith that way, they will not only walk away from Jesus, they will walk away from the moral code that He represents. The moral code part comes as an act of love. As we live our life for Christ, love comes first. Our love for Jesus and what He's done for us. And that leads to an outpouring of love for each other. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you to love each other as I have loved you. See, that's what keeps people in families. It's love. And we sing songs every week about how God's love never fails, right? It never ends. And it's, a good, it's good news that this source, this, this love that's now living inside of believers, it didn't come from you at all. You see, there's a standard that's been set now, and it's a brand new standard that only came into effect when Jesus was, after Jesus died, was resurrected, ascended to heaven, and then sent His Spirit. You see, we... 
We live as slaves to sin no longer because we have the Spirit of God living in us. Our walks with Jesus are more than rules because we now we live by the Spirit. The Old Testament gives us this picture of God, holy and righteous, and the Gospels give us this picture of Jesus, loving and merciful. And the rest of the Bible shows us the Holy Spirit and the grace and freedom that living by the Spirit affords us. And for me, what starts as a grim book, a record of just how far people had drifted away from God, reaches this climax with Jesus coming and paving the way for us to get to God. And then the Spirit comes. And it's the game changer. And it allows us to view this entire work, the whole of the Bible, from the in the beginning to the Amen through this new lens of God living in us. See, it's no longer... A disciple physically getting on the road and following Jesus to where he must go, which was to die. But instead now it is the Spirit leading us, accompanying us where He wants us to go. You see, we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. We follow the leading of the Spirit. We surrender our choices for His as He reveals it to us and as He directs us. You see, He doesn't want all of us to go and sell everything we have. But He has called some to that. He hasn't called all to never touch a glass of wine or a beer ever again, but He has called some to that. You see, until we are prepared to let the Spirit do with our brothers and sisters in Christ what He chooses to do, and more importantly, let the Spirit do with us what He chooses to do, we will never understand what it is to live by the Spirit. And we can say yes or no at any moment. And that hasn't disqualified us from being part of the family. Paul himself said, so everything's permissible? Everything is not beneficial, he says. This is not a license to go out and do whatever we want to do. But it's a gift to allow us to choose what God would have us do. I believe that grace that cannot be abused is no grace at all. Grace that is not free is no grace at all. And grace that is not received by simple faith is no grace at all. There is nothing any single one of us did, has done, or will do that will make us deserving of this incredible gift. And the neat thing is, is no matter what deal you think you're making with God, no matter what choices you're making or not making. The only requirement is you repent and believe and receive the Holy Spirit. That's where the following starts. Have faith in Christ is all you need to do to be pleasing to God. You see, this is a message that struck fear into the religious elite 2,000 years ago, and it struck fear into the religious elite for the last 2,000 years. Because it can't be that simple. There has to be this plus something else. Well, there is something else, but it's not a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. The something else is all we have until we get to heaven. He's our comforter, our counselor, the Holy Spirit. A new covenant has a new seal. And the seal was that God would come into your body and begin to change you from the inside out. Without the Spirit, 
rules, regulations, all that stuff just seemed to make sense. But after the Spirit came, well, they're gone. We live by the Spirit as true followers of Jesus today. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, he said, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. God, uh, yeah, thank you for um, the work you're doing in my life, God. Thank you how um, when I'm preparing to bring this message to your people, God, that you're, you're preaching a message to me through your Spirit. And God, our walk with you has to be about more than rules. It has to be more than following a moral code. It's about a relationship with you, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit that you've left in us. And God, as we listen to your Spirit moment to moment, day by day, and start to surrender to it, this fruit will start to pop up inevitably. And God, that's such a comfort for us. God, I just pray your blessing on each person here today. God, I pray by the power of your Spirit, you will just lead them further and further down that road to where they must go. Each one is called to a different place, God. I just pray that you would continue to reveal their gifts. And God, that you just be a constant encouragement on the way. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.